Hello goddesses, how are you? And today we have goddess from US, Brandy Benson. And she is, she is like, she has done so much in her life already. She is an Iraq veteran. She is, she has fought a very rare kind of cancer. She is a speaker, she is an author. And she is so active in her community in different roles and responsibilities. She's so much involved at different levels. So it's, it's, it's my honor to invite and introduce you to Brandy Benson to Planet Aphrodite with me now today. Hello, Brandy. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me today. Such a pleasure to have you. So Brandy, straight away we'll ask about how is your life earlier? How is the young Brandy as a girl? You know, she, she thought to be a veteran because her family members were. How, how, was, how were things in your childhood and when you were growing up? Um, when I was growing up, I had a very supportive mother. I had a stepfather as well. Uh, we kind of got along sometimes. You know how that is sometimes. But um, I was extremely active. I played a lot of basketball and soccer. I played on um, a swim team. I was on a softball team. I was extremely athletic growing up. And I really was able to um, like capitalize on sports really fast. So I think I was in like, I was in the seventh or eighth grade and I was playing on varsity teams. And you know they didn't like that, of course. Nobody wants a little kid taking their spot you right. know, when they're a senior in high school. But I was really talented, very gifted physically. Um, I was very creative. I was really naive about stuff. I really didn't understand like the true aspect of life or like the world around us mm -hmm. until like 1999. I think I was like, I was, in, I was a freshman in high school and um, I was watching the news and the news was just saying like all this bad stuff that was happening on in the world and what was going on. And I was like, wow, you know, it's dangerous out there. But I was so kind of like in my own little bubble for a while that I didn't realize what was really actually going on. So I was kind of naive about things. But mm -hmm. yeah, and I spent a lot of time in the hospital because I'd break bones, I would um, fall out of trees, I would scrape myself. So I was just really active, really rambunctious. I had a lot of energy. I was, um, I was really shy with people I didn't know. And uh, I wasn't all that great at school either. So I had a really hard time with school. Like math, I was terrible at math. I'm still not all that great with it. But math was definitely really, really hard for me. And then telling time. <laughs> I was little, like, I had such a hard time trying to time. I just couldn't get it. But finally, you know, you, you get it and you learn about the, you know, learn, you learn about it. So, but those are, that's my, my little, my little life back in the day. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I had a good okay. childhood. Okay. And then what inspired you to join ARMY? Uh, my sister inspired me to join the army. That's like the true, true, true reason why I joined. And then after the fact, there's all these other um, things. But when I was younger, you know, maybe like uh, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, um, I had an uncle who was in the, he was in the Navy. And my cousins, um, her name was Desiree and her brother Jordan. So we would always go to their house and the house was so nice. And they had like all these kids around the block and they had house parties and block parties and they had all these like really cool things on face and I was like you know what that would be cool one day to join the military you know but I didn't really think about war then or you know like um how dangerous it really was I just saw right. like the benefits of it and like how nice the homes were and how you know um 
they had a really great career and everybody seemed so happy and, and like family oriented. So I really liked that aspect of it. Like when I was like 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, I thought that was a cool idea. And then um, when my sister joined, I think it was 2008 or 2007. I'm not sure what year she joined, but she ended up joining. And I was still in college. I was at um, Chicago, somewhere in Chicago, Chicago. I can't remember some school in Chicago, some university out there. So I was at a school there and I was like, okay, you know, maybe I should do something with my life. You know, my little sister just joined the military. You know, maybe I should, maybe I should do it too. So I kind of just waited out a little bit. I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it or not. And I think this is like during the time uh, stuff was going on with Iraq and stuff. And I really didn't think too much of it, of course. Didn't think I would be deployed right after basic. But she's the one who talked me into it. She was like, Brandy, you'll be able to pay your student loans. You'll get your career started. You'll have a decent amount of money coming in every month. You should try. And I'm like, you're right. So then I was like, okay, this will be good. So I'm like, I'll defend my country. I'll play for my country because I wanted to play some sort of sport. Right. And I'll have a jump start in my career. Like, this is great. They'll pay for my, my education. Why, why shouldn't I do this? So those, like, a little bit when I was a little kid, kind of like, introduced me to it my sister talked me into it and then i had my own ideas of why i wanted to do it okay okay so how was the experience in iraq i mean i have seen only the news <laughs> well um the people were really nice the natives mm -hmm. were really nice um i didn't go outside of the base very much i got offered to do missions and stuff like that or patrolling i did not do that but um like when I was there, I can just tell you what it looked like because I didn't do much of the like interaction or going like door to door and, you know, doing things like that. So um, I just know it was extremely hot there. Mm -hmm. It was, um, everything was imported, imported. So like the foods and the drinks and things like that. So everything just came from, you know, from America awesome. to over yeah. there. But yeah. I, I just know when we did get bombed and we did get, you know, we did get hit with, with mortars and stuff. It was extremely scary. It's exactly how the movies are. So there's a big, loud boom noise, and then things are shaking around. People are running around all crazy. Um, it was scary. <laughs> it was okay. very scary. But I didn't really have any, like, like hand-to-hand -hand combat or, you know, uh, like shooting or going on missions and patrols like that because, you know, I, my job didn't require me to do that, thank goodness. And... Um, when I did get asked to do that, to like volunteer to do a mission, I declined because I was just too scared. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thanks for sharing. And uh, so when, when you came back and uh, how did this journey on self-love start? You know, when did it start and how did it start? And how was your life before you found that you are in love with yourself and how things changed for you? Uh, so the journey started probably 2009 after I started losing my hair. I was very uncomfortable. I didn't recognize the person looking back at me. I was in denial. I was embarrassed about how I looked and what was going on with me. So a lot of people would try to come to the hospital room or try to come and visit me. And I'd unplug my phone or, you know, I'd give them, you know, different directions on how to get here. I wouldn't give them the information they needed. You know, I just didn't want people to see me at my, my lowest. And I didn't like myself. And I just couldn't imagine somebody, like, wanting to hang out with me and, like, take me serious because I was just 
so embarrassed with what was going on with me and then how I looked. I'm like, how could this have happened? I've been so healthy my entire life. I'm young and now I'm about to die and I look, you know, terrible. You know, I look so unhealthy and I just, I, I look completely different. So that's when I noticed that this old person that I knew back in the day, you know, the old Brandy before cancer was gone. And so it was really hard trying to understand that, accept that, and then being able to like put the pieces back together and be okay with it. So that took me a really long time, like years and years and years, years. Maybe I'll say like maybe within like the last three years, like I've really started to be like, this is how I am. This is how my leg looks. You know, um, I can't do anything about it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not the same person. This is a whole different person, a whole nother Brandy. The old Brandy died. And this is just what I have to deal with. And I remember I was talking to a lady on Instagram. Um, her name is Brenda Hooks. Brenda on Instagram. She also had a sarcoma as well. And she's, uh, she did the Paralympics. She's an amputee. And I was, you know, talking to her back and forth. And she's like, well, you really need to love your leg and embrace it because look at all that it endured. You right. know, your leg is so strong. Like, that's amazing. And I was like, you're right. Yeah. You're right. I was like, you know, beauty... I feel like beauty now to me is strength to be so strong, not just to look, right. you know, look beautiful, but like, how strong are you? How, like when the going gets hard, like, can you, can you still be standing? Is that still possible? So I think right. that my definition of beauty is so much more different than what it used to be. And uh, learning to love myself and to understand, you know, this is a new person and, and being okay with that took many, many years. And I'll, it's just been about three years now since I've been able to really look at myself in the mirror and be like, okay, this is you, you know, yeah. you got to love yourself. And right. it's been a journey. It's still a process. I'm still learning, you know, every day, but I'm not as embarrassed about my leg or I'm not trying to hide my leg like I used to, or um, I'm not um, ashamed of what I went through. You know, things are just, they, a lot of, I've just evolved, learned to evolve with everything as time is going. I saw your video and it was like real big piece, you know, like the operation scene that is there. I was like, yeah. oh my goodness, this this is not easy to, you know, and, and you have been athletic all your life. So just connecting the dots and, you know, seeing both the sides of life, it's not easy to even digest. I mean, for a viewer, like, yeah. you know, even when I saw it, I was like, really? Uh, you know yeah and when i read about it like there is no reason for the sarcoma it's very rare and all that when i studied about it like there is no reason when you go like the most obvious thing is you ask doc why me why why this happened you know they don't have any answers so as to say this is what it is you know your, your bone and everything turns soft and it has to be removed and you know whatever so it, it's really tough to uh, even imagine what you have gone through and many like who have faced this because they are just I, I didn't think anybody is ready for it no we don't go to school to learn that not yeah all. yeah and it's a rare thing and they're like thousands of uh, cancer types you know you're not even the medical doctor may not know unless they are oncologists right yeah. so right Right, right. Yeah. And it's so, so rare that they don't even, they, a lot of times they misdiagnose it or they right. diagnose it and it's too late. Yeah. Because it's so rare that people just don't even, you know, know what it is. Right. So 
when they told me what it was, when I first got diagnosed, they diagnosed, they misdiagnosed me with something else. Oh. <laughs> they told me I had a nerve sheath tumor, is what they okay. initially said I had. Um, and then after I had to get a new biopsy, because the old biopsy and the cells had died, they came back and they said it was something else. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so I did some research on it and I was like, oh, you know, this is not a good one. And like, they're going to have to cut my leg off and, you know, you know, it might, it might spread to these certain areas. And what if that happens? And I was just so distraught and everything happened in like a month. It was literally wow. the very in beginning of January. It was like, I was experiencing symptoms. And then to like February 4th, I was in the hospital and I was getting chemotherapy admission, admitted to myself. Like it was, it was crazy. It happened so quick. And which year are we talking about? This is 2009. 2009. Okay. Okay. And, and how, how did, so once you got connected with yourself and uh, going through everything, like, you know, starting, maybe you had to have your physio lessons and all that must have, you know, the rehab thing would have happened. How was that journey for you? As somebody who has been an athletic, like all the time I'm thinking about your childhood, your, you know, and, and from there you have this operation and you are grateful to God that you have survived, right? Because many people may not even get a chance to even get diagnosed properly, right? Or maybe get right. treated for that. Right. So um, how was uh, that? It was, it was tough. I had to learn how to walk again. When I used to walk, my left leg would swing out really far because the muscle was gone. That okay. you know, the muscle helps like keep your leg in in place, okay. so it helps yeah. bring it in, it helps like let it come out. So that muscle is gone. So I had to learn how to walk again. I walked with a limp for a really long time, about like a year and a half, and then um, you know it was really tender. Uh, I had to do a lot of rehab, a lot of scar tissue, so it was really limited with the flexibility. Um, and then I just realized that my leg is never going to be the same. I'm not going to be able to sprint and run. I'm not going to be able to play contact, you know, contact sports where people are running into each other. Um, I have to be very delicate with my leg for the rest of my life because there's no tissue. There's nothing protecting that long bone. There's literally nothing on the inside of my leg. There's no bone. I mean, there's no muscle there. So it's just the bone. So okay. if you touch the leg, you can feel the bone. bone. Okay. You can, you can feel it. So I just had to realize that this is this is how it's going to be because I can't I can't run I can't sprint I can't do all these things that I used to do and I'm never going to be able to do it because there's no muscle there there's no muscle to regrow um, the doctors would say your other muscles are going to compensate for what's missing that never happened because there's just such a large deficit that there's nothing to compensate for that's just impossible well for me I feel like at least so going to physical therapy was really more like depressing than anything so I just stopped and I was like. I can't rehab this because there's nothing to rehab. It's gone, you know? Like, I can't, like, you know, I'm happy I can walk. I'm happy I can, you know, get up and down and stuff. But me sprinting and running, there's just, it's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. So I just, rehab was more just to check the box off that I did do that. I tried that, you know, and it just mm -hmm. wasn't for me. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, how did the book happen? When did book happen? Um, in 2000, well, I always wanted to write a book. I've been, I've been loving and writing and um, really love descriptive words and, and like trying to make things sound new all the time since I was like in sixth grade. And that's when I discovered I was pretty good at writing. 
I had a teacher, her name was Miss Ravazzini, was at uh, San Jose Middle School in California. And she ended up picking like one of our, all the, you know, all the kids had, um, we'd done an essay and she had picked two people who she thought like the stories were really cool and was great. And she read mine and I was like, oh, hmm. Like, yeah, but the thinks I'm good enough to do this. Maybe I'm pretty good. So then that kind of just like struck something in me and I just kept on writing and exploring things with that. Um, so that's, that's how I started with, that's when I noticed it. But the book came about because in 2009, the doctor said I was going to pass away, that I was going to cut my leg off. They weren't sure if what was going to happen. Everything was kind of up in the air. And I had a nephew. He was two at the time, going to be three. And I was really upset that I was going to be leaving him. And he wasn't going to get to know me. I wasn't going to be able to go to his soccer games, any of his sports, you know, um, watch him grow up. Or, or do any of these really amazing things, you know, for a child that I would like to be a part of as his, his, his family member. Right. So I decided that I'm going to write a journal. And this journal is just kind of like, just talk about what we're doing, what I'm going through, what's happening, what we're doing. And it was just kind of like a little something that I was, was going to leave behind for him. So one day when he's older, he can read and be like, oh, you know, I had an aunt named Brandy. She did this. This is what happened to her. She was in the hospital. I was there with her. Um, and then maybe like, a month into my journaling, I realized that I don't think I'm going to die, that I'm responding to the chemo pretty good. Everything's going like according to plan. And I was like, you know what? If I get to live, I'm going to change this journal to a book. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to make a promise to myself and I'm going to do that. And so lo and behold, I got to live. And I, I created the book and I published it. And it was, it was really powerful. It was really, it was really therapeutic for me. Even when I read it now, sometimes it still gets, I still get kind of choked up because I can't believe it was me, you know? It's like, what the? It's just insane. But that's how it all came about. I, I, I wrote it for my nephew so he would have something to um, wow. remember. But the parts that were for him, like more things were more like interactive. I kind of took those parts out because I made it a book, you know? Right, but, right. Yeah. Okay, great. And how did you found your company, you know, the resume advantage and mm -hmm. how did that came into being after the book, before the book? Yeah, uh, it was, it was before, after the book. So after I decided book. to, um, I, after I graduated from SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design, I got a master's in writing and I decided to work for the Corps of Engineers and they do human resource um industry type of place so we do we did a lot of job descriptions we did a lot of resume stuff we would find the applicants that were best suited for the job um we i did job um announcements uh, we you know slotted them we got them ready for the interview process so in processing out processing the just all that dynamic for like hiring somebody and getting them here and getting them ready for the job yeah. so i ended up uh doing that and um, I realized I was pretty good at getting people jobs and figuring out exactly how to um, um, cater the resume to that specific job. Um, so then I ended up quitting the Corps of Engineers and just opening up my own business called Resume Advantage. And we just do exactly what I was doing at the, my old job. So we're doing cover letters, we're doing professional bios, we're doing resumes, targeted resumes, resumes for people who are just getting out of the military and coming to the civilian life or um, recent graduates, ex executive resumes, and we just really just get them ready for the interview process. Um, so we do interview preps, um, we do a bit of um, graphic designs, some website development, but 
that's how that all came about was due to working for the Corps of Engineers in 2007 and like realizing that this is pretty fun and I'm pretty good at it. And um, they kind of just fell into place like that. You know, it, everything just happened really like seamlessly. It was very easy. Let me eat. Okay. Okay. Nice. And uh, so, so far has been like, there's so much that happened in your life and there, there will be uh, goddesses around the globe who would be like, okay, I'm facing this challenge in my life that I was not ready for. So in that moment, what is one gem that you want to hand them over to them? Okay, okay, dear, you can start here. You know, take this baby step. This might make your life easy. I wish somebody had told me this, but I'm handing over this gem to you. So over to you. Um, so we're all going to be wrapped up in the arms of adversity sometime in life. Like it's just inevitable. It's going to happen. But I right. would tell them, this is my gem to them is to never make permanent decisions off of temporary events, feelings, situations, or circumstances. Like you wow. don't make anything that's going to, you're going to regret later in life because of something that's not going to last forever. Wow. That's, mm -hmm. that's really something very, very powerful. Like, yes, you know, I, I'm letting it sink in. Yeah. Life, the things are going to be happening, but we have a say and control of how we're going to react to it, right? Um, and, and how we're going to respond to things, and how we're going to learn from the lesson if we do learn from it, or if you even take it as a lesson. So just take these these things that are happening to you, and don't make any permanent decisions. You know, you have time to gauge it and to to yeah. sit with it for a second and truly understand what's going on, and then you know make a nice educated choice or um, decision thank you that was beautiful yeah and uh, can we have the gift from you what's the yeah. gift from you <laughs> goddesses are all waiting for it so what is yeah. it the gift brandy i would love to gift a book so you get a copy of a signed copy of my book called the enemy inside me it's about my experience being deployed in iraq coming back with a rare aggressive cancer um how i put down the my M16, it picked up the harsh treatments of chemotherapy, what I went through, the people that were there. And it's not really a book just for people who have been sick with cancer, but it's more about adversity. And like right. I was saying, we're all going to be wrapped up in the arms of adversity somehow, some way. It's right. just light. Um, but we all have the option and the choice of how we're going to react to it. And if we're still going to continue to push on because we're the maker of our, of our life. If we want to give up, then that's what's going to happen. If we want to continue to push on, then we will push. And it's just about persevering and seeing what it is that you want to the end, not giving up on yourself. That's so powerful. That's, that's, that's some word of wisdom there. Like, totally amazing, Brandy. Just loved it every minute every second talking to you I, I wish this interview never ends but yes we have to say each other goodbye thank you so much namaste bye bye, bye. take care